Hello and welcome to our podcast, Ever, Ever Heard, Heard of it? it? I'm Janet. I'm Beatriz. And we are two Hispanic speech-language pathologists living in Los Angeles. Today, our topic is AAC, AAC, which stands for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. May is also Better Hearing and Speech Month, which provides us with an opportunity to raise awareness about communication disorders and the tools that we use to support our clients. Yeah, so AAC is one of the tools that we have available to us. Um, in all settings, uh, but more specifically in the school settings, which is where we're both currently working. And recently, both of us have had a lot of experience with different aspects of AAC, uh, the evaluation process, using it in treatment, and also just learning how to support um, families. Families and teachers alike. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to start off with a brief overview of what augmentative and alternative communication even is. Um, According to our governing board, it involves everything aside from talking. So it can be no tech, low tech, or high tech. Um, No tech involves things that we all do. Um, Gestures, pointing, um, shaking your head, nodding your head, shrugging your shoulders. Lower technology includes um, boards uh, is how they're referred to. So papers or, um, yeah, posters that have been laminated with several icons on them that re- represent a meaning or higher technology um, devices usually that can include tablets, which have like voice output and allow uh, students, individuals in general to select icons and have something speak for them. So that's just a brief overview. Um, Going into evaluation, every school district is different and does things differently. Um, Janet, what does your school district do with AAC evaluations? With our AAC evaluation, we usually outsource. Um, We are, I'm in a smaller school district, so we don't have um, an AAC specialist or anybody that does uh, evaluations. Uh, We send out, send home an assessment plan. Usually if I feel the student might benefit from an AAC, um, usually I've already been using AAC core boards um, with most of my students in preschool. I use it whether they're speaking or not speaking. It really supports language. Um, But then I have a lot of non-speaking individuals who I feel would benefit from it. So I kind of um, talk to parents, talk to teachers, uh, send home an assessment plan and then we, I send it to admin and they reach out to an outside agency to come in and do the evaluation. Okay. Um, and then do the outside people consult you? And that's where there's a, a discrepancy. There is usually, sometimes there is some communication, um, but more often than not, like there is no communication between the outside speech language pathologist or evaluator um, and myself. Um, I try my best to get a hold of the individual, but sometimes I don't know who the person is that's assessing or when they're going to come in and test the student. Um, So that is a big challenge for me. Have you had most of those evaluations or the interest in having an AAC evaluation come from you? Would you say equal from parents and teachers? Um, most of the time, it's from me. Um, um, recently, I had um, a mom reach out to me 
um, and to admin. And um, it was a very new student. The student had been with me, has been with me no more than a month or two. And um, then we had, that was right before spring break. So I've seen the student a handful of times. And um, mom reached out to me and requested, say, I, I think that my child would benefit from an AAC. So, of course, I immediately, next session, pulled the child, um, attempted, I have a device of my own, I use cardboard. Um, from speaking to mom, I realized that the child prefers Spanish. Um, so I had an English cardboard, um, and then I have my AAC that has Spanish and English. I trialed the English one, no interest. I trialed the Spanish one took the tablet for me and started um, typing and spelling um, and immediately, you know, started requesting more and responding yes and no. So I immediately send out an evaluation. Okay. So mm-hmm. then you automatically, in that specific case, had family buy-in. In that, yes. Fa- family buy-in is huge. Um, but usually it's me uh, trying to, like, suggest to parents, you know, ask them um, for their input uh, the child has already been in therapy usually for a little bit of time, um, whether it's through the regional center, because these are usually my preschool students, um, and or with me for at least a few months in the school year. And uh, when I see that there is buy-in from the student immediately and interest with a core board or the other AAC users in the group, um, I will reach out to teacher um, and parents and try to get buy-in. But sometimes it's a little bit challenging. Um, you know, they get sad. Uh, they feel like, oh, is my child never going to talk? Um, I've had meetings with outside, like, ABA therapists in meetings and tell me, you know, when I'm suggesting an AAC the, or you are already using a core board, the ABA therapists have told me like, oh, but when are you going to just focus on focus on speech? Which makes it difficult because they're the ones at home seeing the student daily, like when they get ABA therapy at home and they're like telling parent, you know, we're focusing on speech and I'm the only one suggesting AAC. That's a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. That, no, I has, think... Has that ever happened to you? Mm. Not so much with ABA therapists, but with the families themselves. So I'm lucky in the school district that I'm at, it is bigger. So I do get to conduct the assessments myself. I put, I'm able to put in the request. And um, before I even do that, though, I have learned uh, to reach out to the parents and explain what AAC is and why it is that I think that their child would benefit, um, as opposed to other assessment plans where... Uh, usually if a family gets a request, um, they've spoken either to me or teacher and or they themselves have said, oh, I hear my child struggling with this specific sound and they're aware. A lot of my families um, have not really heard about augmentative and alternative communication. So I do define, you know, that sometimes although they have Uh, speech and they are verbal maybe they are very they have low intelligibility they're very difficult to understand so that's where the augmentative part comes in it's gonna assist it's gonna help or if they're lower verbal I think a lot of their concerns even before I've started the testing process they will share um, usually via phone interview that they're concerned it's going to replace the speech so 
I'm able to say, you know, here are some resources, here are some websites that uh, have different research articles or testimonials from families that show it does not replace speech or prevent people from developing speech. It's just providing one more uh, auditory model for the child, another uh, yeah, way for them to hear models of language and of speech articulation. Um, so once I, I think that there is interest or buy-in, I am able to go ahead and send the assessment plan out. Uh, once we get it back, I can schedule an appointment with a consultant. My district has specific people that have more training in that department, the AAC department, and they will come out and kind of guide us through the evaluation process, which can include um, device trials, and we try to make it functional. We have everything from very low technology that we discussed before, core boards, to um, different higher technology devices, a lot of different applications that we will trial with the students. We um, tr obviously try to make it fun so that there's uh, interest from the students, so they're buying into this process too. But um, sometimes I think maybe, so this semester from January, 2023 through now, I've done like eight maybe AAC evaluations. And in the fall, I did another five or six. So this year, I've had a lot of experience with different students, um, different eligibilities, just very different family buy-in, teacher buy-in, uh, but all very fun and very um, just entertaining to see the kids kind of explore and scan through and navigate the devices on their own. Um, there was one out of these many the evaluations that I've done where the child had very little interest with, with the AAC in general, um, which was also very uh, cool for me to see because I was able to understand that even though he's not interested right now and then explain this to the family, um, we could try again, you know, in a year and see if maybe then he's a little more interested. And um, how old was the student? kinder oh yeah but the family was you know hoping that he would show and uh, so it's multiple days of evaluation and at, towards the end he did show interest and we were able to recommend but usually there's immediate interest and with that one specific child mm -hmm. it was just kind of like oh is this the right time or should we uh, evaluate later um but yeah so when it comes to higher technology, uh, AAC devices, you had mentioned that uh, you trialed already Spanish and English. Yes, um, I have. And I have, there's a really great resource um, from Bilingua AAC. Uh, there's a website and they have a Padlet. I've gone to a few of their presentations and they have a lot of, uh, they have a list of AAC, um, I guess, devices or software, right, for the iPad that has uh, bilingual, mostly Spanish-English bilingual. Unfortunately, there aren't, it's just really challenging to make a bilingual device, I've heard, um, and like ha uh, the with the ability to code switch. Um, 
So there are a few, I believe, um, Proloquo and uh, Lamp's Word for Life, um, and yeah. I can't remember the name of them, but there's a few, a handful of them. Lamp, Proloquo, Touch Chat, Touch chat. Um, mm-hmm. usually have English, Spanish, French, or Dutch. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the population uh, in one of my schools has... Um, high Asian languages, so Cantonese, Mandarin, Vietnamese, we are able to provide core boards that have icons and core vocabulary words from those languages. But unfortunately, yeah, we, we're not able to at this time provide higher technological switching with applications. I will say that it is very cool um, to see students navigate through the English-Spanish pages on TouchChat and LAMP um, because you can build in like a button, literally one button. <laughs> and when they select it, they're able to switch back and forth pretty quickly. And once they're able to do it, you know, the families are also quick to pick up on it and more likely to use it functionally at home. So that's, that's exciting. But it is. I think it creates uh, more buy-in and they're able to use it functionally at home. And once parents see that it works, they're able to um, to continue to use it once you know they're able to support their needs. Yeah. I work at a dual immersion Spanish-English uh, school, so most, I'd say majority of my uh, students are Spanish-speaking, come from Spanish-speaking homes. Um, so... I have been able to support them by providing even Spanish core boards. Um, I usually send them home while we're awaiting a device. I'll send home core boards for for parents. Once we get, um, once we make recommendations, if they're appropriate for the students, uh, I have had a lot of opportunity to train different families with the different applications. So that's been a fun learning process for me. Um, because sometimes they express common concerns that are practical, just didn't really pop up in my head. And it can be something as simple as like, oh, my child has um, aggressive behaviors when he or she is frustrated and they tend to throw things or hit things. And I'm concerned, you know, I don't want to be responsible for this. And it's a good thing that they're able to share those concerns because then we as a department are able to provide them with um, sturdier uh, cases, you know, to try to prevent damage. Um, but I did have a very fun experience, not not fun in a happy way, just fun as like, okay, I learned, I learned. A great learning experience. Yes. <laughs> Which um, are always fun. Uh, with a student who had a similar case that I, as the one I just described, and I was able to go in the department provided a new case and the student did not appreciate this change he liked his old case and even something as you know uh what seems as little as that can throw off and have such a huge impact on his communication for the rest of the school day and then you know definitely thankfully this parent is very involved and she volunteered and said she would work with the student at home to uh, help him cope with the change, um, change of case, because the device stayed the same. But it's just something that hadn't even crossed my head, something so simple that just has such a huge impact. And when we're trying to get 
this family is already familiar with the device. They like the device. They know how to use the device at home. Um, but when I'm trying to get buy-in, it's just something else for me to consider um, that I just hadn't considered before. Usually my uh, concerns in helping support the family is having them understand that AAC is used um, and that even if your child is using gestures, we need to accept all forms of communication um, because some of my families try to be so supportive that they will then reject anything else. <laughs> yes, yeah. other forms of communication and only want uh, to hear the device or, or for have them push the icons. And we're like, okay, no. So there's different strategies that um, we use in our trainings. Uh, can, for example, like aided language stimulation, which is when we show them, oh, okay, this is how we can model errors. This is how we make mistakes. This is how we respond to mistakes. And every time that they select an icon, we try, we make it as functional as possible. We make it meaningful, even if it's out of context. If we're at the doctor and they're saying frog and there's no frog anywhere in sight, we still give meaning to it. So showing them how we combine our speech as a communication partner with the communication device, um, that's usually my focus. Not so much the practical aspect of it, but yeah, learning experience, fun for me, something that I can add to my toolbox and, you know, it's a... Uh, kind of prevent hopefully in the future i think that's important like um the the modeling and the parent education but unfortunately in our district there isn't a lot of you know as much training on like how to i've kind of been i've taken personal courses and certificates and most of it focuses on the evaluation process and um educating parents but implementing it in therapy is where I feel the biggest challenge is and getting the buy-in from for me getting the buy-in from the teachers is a big challenge um uh I work in a moderate with a preschool moderate to severe class and so most of the students are non-speaking and um I go in and I pick up the devices and they're usually in the child's backpack or I get this device from parent and um, and it's not charged and that's the biggest I feel like the biggest challenge like I'm getting them to use it with me and figuring out how to support their language and they're so excited to come in and use it but then it's like as soon as they leave my classroom it's just yeah I've had a similar um, several students who have come in uh, come to school with their devices not charged or um, fully charged, but still in the backpack. Uh, I do always try my best to just kind of switch my device with them. Um, if it's a process, a concern about battery, like, oh, I just need to charge it. Mm -hmm. I can make sure that my iPad is locked on that screen. They're not able to exit you know, and so they only have access to that while I keep their device in my room and I'm charging it. Um, but for the most part, I think I've had uh, very interested, curious um, staff, teachers included, that have uh, wanted to learn. It's more difficult, I feel, for the teachers that are teaching younger students uh, a lot 
most of the evaluations that I've done have been students that are in kinder, first, or second grade. Um, however, I had a fifth grader who was uh, using a high technology device, and his teacher didn't really require much training because at that point, the student had been with the device for four years and the student knew how to navigate it oh, so yeah. well. In fact, so well, he didn't want to use it anymore, which was a completely different um, was challenge. Was he speaking uh, without it? or Yes. He, okay. Yes. He just had very low intelligibility. Oh. But okay. it, it wasn't um, something that was necessarily making him self-conscious or concerned in any way. He would... Um, find different ways whether it was writing it out on a piece mm -hmm. of paper or he just really needed a break at that time from the his device um, and was showing less and less interest in it so that was interesting that was one of the older students that I've had an opportunity to work with but most of them have been younger and the teachers have been yeah very very curious um, have not had a lot of experience uh, working with you know, having one student in their class that has a device or having two students in their class with the device, especially if the device, if they have different applications, <laughs> because then they're learning all sorts of systems while still trying to manage all the other students in their classroom. So I understand uh, how difficult that can be for them. And especially because we are not, I am able to provide training, but it's one-to-one -one training. It's uh, whenever the teacher is available and or when I am able to push into the classroom and model with an activity. But these applications are so different and to require a lot. Of it's a whole language. I mean, it's a whole language system. So it's it's a lot of work to yeah. put into learn. Um, I've had a challenge uh, learning a new system. They, I get a student with a different device and it's like learning another language where where do I navigate? What do I do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the vocabulary that we're using, um, obviously we're not using it with the students necessarily, but, oh, okay, they have to push the message bar. Where's the message bar? Oh, this up here. <laughs> or they are navigating through icons independently. Okay. So does that mean I don't need to model? No, no, no. That means that they, you still model, <laughs> but they don't need as much support maybe as someone else who needs, you know, constant visual Modeling needs you to do it before that before they can do it. Um, but staff, I feel I feel lucky mm -hmm. they've been curious. At least it, maybe they don't have enough time to devote, but the curiosity is there and the willingness to learn is there. It would be great if you know th they had more designated time to be trained in it, but. At least we try we try our most to implement it into the classroom and and I try my best to have an extra charger if <laughs> yeah what are your I'm curious because um, I feel like often people think AAC and it's people individuals who are not speaking or specific or like really low intellectually I feel like um, what are the types of individuals that you have that have AAC. Um, general education setting, um, autism, or... I have um, had all sorts of students. My first first experience when I started working with the school district, I had a student who was at that time in kinder, and he has apraxia. He's still one of my students. And um, 
he was learning how to use his device as the same time that I was learning. So it was a learning experience together. That was great. Um, my the older student that I said that was less interested in it, he had a, uh, has a diagnosis of autism. I've had students with um, Down syndrome, students with intellectual disabilities, students with all sorts of eligibilities using it. So um, that's been nice too for me to be able to provide that reassurance to parents that it's all sorts of students yeah. that this is supposed to be uh, helping them access their education, right? Access communication with their peers and teachers and at home with their families because these devices, luckily, travel with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they go from school to home. And so it's not like a, like a specific... Uh, usually, if anything, I will... I have had um, family say like, oh, we know that blah, 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 I got an iPad. Can we get an iPad? And I'm like, oh, we can get uh, an evaluation and see if that's the most appropriate for them. But it's not a specific. I was like, there's different types of tablets and different Mm -hmm. types of applications. An iPad, maybe they won't be interested in it. We can try. But um, so some families are like, oh, iPads, my kids like iPads. They already know how to use them. But they may not know how to use this specific application. And so that's that's always something that kind of makes them go, oh, I didn't know that. I think they maybe see it as like a texting kind of application. Yeah, like a texting app. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some free trials and free apps that I do sometimes recommend. I can't think off the top of my head, but there's like I have a list at work of uh, device trials like while it's pending. I have a lot of... Uh, free trials or 60-day that allows them to have some time and to see how it works um, for their phone or their tablet to download it on their tablet at home. That is Um, actually our district timeline. So when we recommend a device, um, whether or a low-tech AAC, it's 60 days for us um, for the student to have that so that they can use it in their classroom setting. If that student is not showing interest, it's not as functional as they thought, it's just not working for them, we can go back to our evaluation, see um, what else kind of was appropriate for them and trial that out too. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's fun to yeah. let the families know this isn't like a here they're stuck with this forever it's not like you're married to it forever it's yeah it's a trial kind of mm-hmm. longer like to determine if that's gonna work for them yes yeah. so that's yeah it's always fun um i think it's good that we can customize things too a lot of the aac the higher aac uh, applications have options for us to kind of edit buttons they call them and we can put images of family members to, again, make it functional at home. We can put um, specific names of pets or things mm-hmm. that they're interested in, topics that they're interested in. If teachers uh, are starting a new... Um, a Lesson, new, a new theme. You know how they do, like, spring, and they do, or farming. Like, they have different themes, at least yes. mine. Yes. They can let us know, oh, I was looking through the device, but I didn't see these specific animals, right? I didn't see these Mm -hmm. specific um, vocabulary words that we're targeting. And we can, again, go in and add. So that's very cool. Whether it's low-tech or high-tech, we can always add and modify icons. Um, We can also make it so that 
hopefully, um, what we're recommending grows with the students. So there are things that are more limiting, um, lower technology. Usually if you have, you can have as many pages or as uh, icons on pages, right? But it's still more limited than a higher technology device where there's just, and it seems like, it feels like there's more icons available on pages, um, different types of icons, colorful icons that are uh, more attention grabbing to the students. So can we talk about some ways that we have used this in therapy that we've used, whether it's low tech or high tech um, AAC in our therapy sessions? Yeah, so I have, um, I have laminated core boards for all of my preschool students, um, whether they're in general education and they're just coming for Arctic or whether they're in a special day class um, with moderate to severe you know, no speaking or very minimal language. And I have it in, a, like, on the little desk next to the little table, kidney table, where they sit. And they're so accustomed to me putting it on the mat that now my students will come in and pick up their AAC, mat, their core board, and place it in front of them. Um, and will I will model it uh, when we're reading a book or when we're playing a game. I tend to choose... Um, maybe one or two core words w for the week that I'm going to, you know, like go and stop and more, for example, or in or out, whatever we're working on. Um, I'll model those a lot more in addition to um, the fringe vocabulary, which is like the non-core words, like, right? Um, and I model it, uh, I've noticed that it really helps with the students um, with language and expanding their utterances, even with my gen ed students. Um, I always, with my AAC students that have the higher tech devices, um, I'm using it all the time. Uh, whether we're playing a game, whether we're turn-taking, um, even um, I'm very big on, I don't, do hand over hand, I will definitely always model, even if I think that they're not looking or they're not paying attention. Eventually, they're surprised, they'll surprise me and then grab uh, their own device and, you know, request. Um, and so, of course, you know, I start being really loud and get excited. <laughs> um, but uh, I just constant modeling, even when I feel that they're not paying attention. And um, I try to do it with activities that they're, I do a lot of play-based activi uh, uh, activities, uh, child-led activities. So I let them lead. I have a lot of individuals who are sensory seeking, um, who need to jump and bounce and do all sorts of things. So um, I will bring the I have the tablet, the iPad next to me. Um, I'll have theirs like on a tabletop next to them, like on the bouncy ball or whatever it is that they're doing. I'll bring it on the floor. We'll, you know, do activities on the floor wherever we're at. Um, and it really, I've noticed they'll they'll start to, instead of forgetting about it, like bringing it with them um, to whatever activity um, for more or walk back to the table and press again or more. Um, so a lot of just modeling constantly. Yeah, that yeah. is one of the strategies that we tell families too. Um, just it's not modeling without expectation. Mm -hmm. You know, it, like she said, even if they 
aren't attending to you visually, they may still be hearing you um, and learning. I think it's easier and it's cool to do it when we have low tech. Um, it is more difficult if there is only one student. I have sessions where there's only one student with a high tech, a tablet, mm-hmm. you know, and my sessions luckily are pretty small, three students at most. But if it's one out of three and yeah. then I'm there facilitating communication, technically it's one out of four. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have my device. So I think what's been helpful to me is uh, giving allowing my device to just kind of be there for one of the other two students to use it. Um, especially if it's a student who's learning, I have a, for two first graders and they're usually pulled out together. And so one first grader has an, a high-tech AAC device, a tablet, and the other one does not. And the other one has now taken it upon himself to kind of learn it so that he can teach the other one. He <laughs> likes being the leader. That's he, amazing. I love that. And they're in the same classroom. So that's great because now it's um, this student wasn't very excited about using his device in the classroom and he's still not very excited about using it in the classroom, even with teacher support and mm-hmm. and the other peers be, have been curious about it. But now he's... It's not that he wants to use it. He just doesn't want the other students, I guess, to teaching. Yeah. yeah, it's like, I, I want my own. So your experience is awesome. I think it's unique. Mine is quite unique where I, by the time, I only have um, most of my students that I recommend AEC for are in the preschool setting mm-hmm. in the Mod City or Court um, classroom. So by the time I get them a device, um, sometimes they're just with me one school year and then they go off to a different school. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much of an opportunity to actually model it for more than a school year if they're lucky and get it at the beginning of the school year because then they go to a different school. So my goal is always just to make sure that they don't leave me without the device. Right. I don't have as much of the opportunity. So we do all the core boards and I love that, but I love um, how you have the experience to see them as they get older and are continuing to use it yeah and Mm -hmm. once in a while I am able to pair students from different grades because um, the younger ones will see and I'm talking like two or three years age difference like a kindergartner and a second grader because the kindergartner becomes more excited to see that the second grader is using the same application maybe or is using it um, confidently, you know, well, mm-hmm. without as much reservation, because some students, are, it, yeah, it's speaking for you. It's something that grabs attention from your mm-hmm. peers and are kind of like, huh, I don't know how I feel great in therapy, but using it in the classroom setting, maybe not so much. But I try, um, we, there's no like food based activities, unfortunately, in my therapy sessions. I think that's usually what's gotten. Um, a lot of good results uh, transitioning helping them transition a use of the AAC device uh, outside at least during recess or lunch Mm -hmm. because there's so many descriptors and adjectives for whatever food it is that they're eating whatever vegetables are on their pizza for example or if they want any vegetables at all Um, but I use play-doh we make a I have I do I love food so we have all sorts of food I have like a little kitchen thing where you, you can wash the food. Mm. It's not, it doesn't have water in it, but it has the sink and everything. And I have like all the little wooden um, toys. And uh, 
I often use Play-Doh to like, let's make a pizza or let's make a sandwich or we do this. And so we're making, we're using the device with the Play-Doh describing the food that we're making. I have a lot of literacy based like... (laughs) Um, I like Play-Doh. Pre-planned. No, I like Play-Doh too. I just don't have a, a kitchen in my classroom, like a play pretend kitchen. Um, but the books that we have, a lot of them have animals and sounds, like the books themselves have sounds. So it's cool to incorporate even, um, I guess, different types of communication in that way, because now it's, again, I'm just trying to not single them out, not have them, especially my older students, feel like they're the only ones using something um, or, ha- or sometimes they feel pressured because the other students in therapy are waiting for them. And if they're still learning how to navigate, I make sure that um, I provide the other students with an opportunity to feel what they're feeling by learning how to navigate through my device. Mm. Um, because for me, it's faster. I have now experience with like the main apps, at least four of the most used apps, at least mm-hmm. in my district. So... Um, it is a little more frustrating, especially for the kindergartners or the first graders to sit there and wait after we've asked, you know, what do you, what's your favorite type of ice cream? And they're learning still to navigate through different pages and select the right icons and push the message bar and hire the volume, you know, the, because the volume's too low. Yeah. I think that's a great teaching moment. It's very similar to when you have the stuttering students, right? Mm-hmm. You have individuals who stutter. Um, and we learn about, you know, patience and waiting and not, com- not jumping in. And, um, but it is hard. It's challenging. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially for the little ones. But, again, watching them grow, I am very lucky. And I don't have, uh, at my current school, I have a transitional kinder class, but I don't have any preschool students. So the ones that are with me, unless we're, the team is recommending a change of placement or the family just happens to move, I am able to see them grow, and it is more and more apparent to me that there are so many students um, that that may benefit from AAC, and I don't know if it's just that they were not interested before or the family was not interested before. Again, like I said, there is such a thing as it's not the right time. That's what the whole purpose of the evaluation, um, but it is also a goal to make sure that they continue or that they have it, you know, for as long as they can. Because mm-hmm. we do know that it helps in all aspects of communication. Yeah, and it helps support language. And um, I think we probably mentioned it earlier. But it does, um, you know, some most families or a lot of individuals think, you know, speech is language, right? It's the only form of language. But it helps with speech. People are like, well, well, when is my child going to talk? Like, will they ever talk? And some will choose to talk and some may not, and they will choose to use their AAC, but it does support language for everybody, I think. Um, and it's, there's so many benefits to it. There's no reason not to, not yeah. to use it. And so I think that's, I think that that provides like a brief summary of things, that at least that I've learned. Again, I had not evaluated a student for AAC purposes prior to the school year, and now I feel um, kind of confidence going in. I've learned a lot from my AAC consultants. Every consultant, I'm sure, has different things that um, I can continue learning about and would love to continue learning. But 
the fact that I kind of feel like, okay, even during a process of screening them, like, oh, you know what? I'm able to reach out faster and say, I think he would benefit. I think she would benefit um, from AAC. Can we evaluate? Do you think that they would be a good candidate? Um, because, yeah, I mean, the school year is ending and I feel like that those type of evaluations, I've learned much more from that in how to even provide education myself, whoever I'm training, um, than I have for my other evaluations. Yeah. If it were up to me, I'm like, you get AAC, you get AAC. I feel like there is no one student. I have so many students where I feel like this person, this person, this person. Um, I have a long uh, list of individuals who I'm, and it's just been this school year. Last school year, I didn't have as many individuals who I felt needed an AAC. Um, yeah, I've also been working with a organization called AbleNet, and they are really cool because they help um, families. For example, that parent that reached out and wanted AAC eval, um, I also, I give them the information to the company of the company, and that organization helps families get an AAC device um, through their insurance. It helps, it does like a benefit check for them. Um, and it's slightly more work for me given that I do submit a report because I'm the, the speech provider providing the services. But um, I really like that they have uh, support for families like one-on-one, -on -one. like they could text this. They have, they download an app and they're able to text and ask questions and um they have interpreters, they have, you know, Spanish speakers, and it gives them a device through their insurance, which means that it's theirs to keep forever. And it has, I believe, a five to 10 year warranty. So mm -hmm. if it gets damaged, they just get a new one. Um, they do give, will provide me with as many apps that I need or devices for, uh, to trial the devices. Um, and what I love about it is that it's theirs because, you know, through the school district, if they were to leave the school district, oftentimes you got to return the device because it's for, it's to support language, right, at school. Like, yes, this um, is to help them access their academic access, curriculum. Right. So um, this is theirs to keep, like, forever, and it helps support and create that extra buy-in. So um, it's a great organization. Yeah, I had not heard of them before. You told me that they had reached out to you, so that's mm -hmm. exciting to know that there's different resources because, yes, I mean, if it is the case um, that they do need it for longer periods of time, it's good to know that there's organizations out there. Mm -hmm. I think that usually sounds really long to families, like forever. Not every student <laughs> will yeah. need it forever. Some students outgrow it. Some students yeah. develop, flourish their speech and language skills so much, just that like any other student in speech or language therapy, that they you know, no longer demonstrate a need for our services or mm -hmm. a need for the device. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was a nice brief overview. Um, we hope that you learned something from our learning experiences with AAC. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you have any questions. Okay. Bye. Bye.